The Resilient Cyber Podcast brings you conversations from diverse cybersecurity professionals, ranging from executives, subject matter experts, and aspiring entrants. Today's diverse threat landscape requires systems that can withstand a variety of cyber incidents, remaining trustworthy and secure. As always, we want to give a special shout out to our season two sponsor, Accurix. That's A-C-C-U-R-I-C-S. Accurix is a infrastructure as code security company, which helps codify security for your cloud native infrastructure by codifying security throughout the development lifecycle. They also manage the popular open source IAC project, TerraScan. Visit them at Accurix.com for more. Thank you for joining us on the Resilient Cyber Podcast. My name is Chris Hughes, along with my co-host, Dr. Nikki Robinson. Hey, everybody. And today, uh, the first episode of 2022, we're doing something a little different. We're going to have a kind of a quote unquote solo episode with just us. We're actually going to dive into some of Dr. Nikki's research around vulnerability chaining. So Dr. Nikki, if you don't mind, you know, I would love to hear, you know, what made you interested in that and kind of how you went about researching it. And uh, we'll dive in from there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So first of all, Happy New Year, everybody. But yeah, so vulnerability chaining. So from the IT operations side, I was managing uh, Citrix infrastructure and managing all of the vulnerabilities, all the patches, all the security of those systems as well. And I started noticing a lot of low and medium vulnerabilities that we just didn't have time to get to or weren't being remediated. And so I started asking questions like, why aren't we remediating these? What are we like? Why aren't we looking at these? And it was like, well, we don't have time. You know, we, we've got a lot of other things that we need to do and we just don't have as much time to look at them. So I found the terminology vulnerability chaining and seeing that, you know, low and medium vulnerabilities could be used together in combination to create a more critical attack. And that was when like sort of the bell went off in my head and I was like, oh no, this seems bad. And why is no one talking about this? And that was from the IT operations side. So that was what sort of spawned my research with the DSC And then when I started asking questions about vulnerability chaining, asking people about it from the IT or the security side, I started seeing that like people are like, what are you talking about? They didn't even know the term. They maybe understood what could happen if you put vulnerabilities together, but they didn't know the terminology or they didn't know it sort of in that way. So then I was like, oh man, now now I'm on like a crusade to help people understand what this means. So that was sort of what got me started. Yeah, it's actually a perfect segue because the first thing I wanted to ask is like, you know, what is vulnerability chaining for people not familiar with it? And do you think it's actually, you know, becoming more prevalent, uh, one, among malicious actors, you know, taking advantage and exploiting it and also among organizations and practitioners looking to mitigate it? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So yes, across the board. But I'll start with what is vulnerability chaining. So it is the specifically the way that it is defined by CVSS and by NIST is the combination of lower scored vulnerabilities, so lower mediums, used in combination to create a critical attack. So something that if you use two or three, so if an attacker leveraged two or three lower scored vulnerabilities, that they could ultimately lead them to privilege escalation, system compromise, a number of different types of attacks. So ultimately, they could compromise systems leveraging these lower vulnerabilities. Uh, do I think it's getting more prevalent? Absolutely. It's it's something that we haven't talked about classically as, you know, this is what attackers do. I think it's just not always talked about in that way. But if you talk to pen testers, ethical hackers, 
they're like, oh yeah, I, I leverage low and medium vulnerabilities all the time to get into systems. So it is something I think from the red teamer side that they are aware of and whether they talk about it as vulnerability chaining might be a different subject. But even recently, there was a, a set of two vulnerabilities released within Active Directory that you could compromise domain controllers. But specifically with the CVEs, they had two CVE IDs that were put together and said the combination of these two CVE IDs will lead to a critical attack. And I was so, I can't tell you how excited I was when I saw this. I was like, yes, we're actually talking about this now. But this is just within the last month. You know, this this is new as a as in 2022. So I think that it's something we're starting to talk about more and see more in the industry as far as from a defender side. But I would say from the attacker side, they've definitely been aware of this for for a while. Yeah, it's fascinating because I've done, you know, we talked about this before hitting record, but I've worked in uh, roles, you know, doing uh, vulnerability management for some pretty big programs. And uh, you know how it is, like you're always kind of in a rat race to just get down the critical and high findings and try to track those metrics. Often you're not paying attention as much to the low and meteor, moderate, you know, vulnerabilities, things of that nature. And and often the tooling doesn't even uh, connect the dots there. So it's great to hear that, you know, they're putting out CVEs and connecting them in that way. Uh, I think what would be awesome is if maybe if the vendors actually started to do that too, you know, like if you're, you're doing scans, it can piece together, you know, those vulnerabilities for you and tell you, hey, X, Y, Z of these lows and mediums, for example, can be chained together. So with that said, I, w- I was curious, why do you think we always look at vulnerabilities in isolation, uh, given that it, it is kind of, you know, common sense that you could, you, you think you, you'd be common sense that you can chain these together, right, to do, to do malicious activities with them, but we never look at them in combination, always, always in isolation. Okay, so I have a couple of different answers for this. The for the first one is that vulnerability management is hard. It is a it is incredibly difficult. It's complex. You know, I I think vertically and horizontally, right? So, if I as an IT operations person, if I'm managing one system, right? Let's say I am managing that Citrix infrastructure. Well, I've got to worry about the applications that I'm hosting, I've got to worry about, you know, the the actual infrastructure itself. I need to worry about anything that's connected to that infrastructure. So I'm not just managing vulnerabilities, you know, for one particular product or one particular OS level. I might also be in the middle of a migration. I might be managing a server 2016 environment and a server 2019 environment. That means double the patches, double the vulnerabilities, double the things that I need to constantly be looking at and trying to remediate. So I think the first answer is that this is complex. It's a complicated issue and it's very difficult when vulnerability management is sort of a secondary job. You know, if it's not like, you know, the first thing it's like, oh, I just have to apply patches to apply patches. So I think it's that part is it gets very complex. The other part of this, I think, is that vulnerability management in general, vulnerability scoring vulnerability chaining, these are all additional layers that sort of add on to what we're looking at when we're trying to figure out what's going on with the vulnerabilities in our environment. As you mentioned, if you have reporting requirements, that's going to be your number one thing, right? As it's like, hey, if I just need to remediate criticals and highs within this window, that is my number one responsibility and that's what I need to do. So I think the conversation around vulnerability chaining as a whole sort of needs to change, like how we talk about it, how we understand it. And and knowing that like it's probably not going to be solved overnight but that we can sort of i don't know try to talk about this in in an easier way and i think appreciating the co- relative complexity of vulnerability management like within any environment 
Yeah, it's actually a great answer. And it made me think of a few things. You know, you talked about like if you have a certain window that you're trying to remediate vulnerabilities in, right? Uh, it's not uncommon for security to set, you know, criticals must be done in seven days and highs within 30 days and those kind of metrics, whether it's being driven organizationally or by the industry you're in. But that doesn't always necessarily line up with how the business operates and the potential business disruption that could come from uh, patching. We were talking about this before, but I just was re- re- recently digging into uh this, you know, new guidance around enterprise patch management planning. How have you seen that traditional kind of push and pull, you know, between the business and the security teams when it comes to implementing patches and mitigating vulnerabilities, uh, given that, you know, they're, they're operating on two different, you know, we may be marching towards security metrics, but what about the business? What about interruptions for them? Yeah, this this is another, as someone who came from IT operations and security and sort of in both roles, right? So, actually doing the patch management, concerned with operations, concerned with functionality. And then from the security side, you know, trying to make sure that I am making the system as secure as possible, that I'm protecting the business, I'm protecting our users. I think part of the problem comes in because we do have different objectives, right? We have different goals in mind, whether it's reporting or whatever. But when the two teams uh, sometimes clash sometimes, and I think that we don't talk about how sort of that potential discord or that potential frustration of working together, that leads to more and further insecurity within our environments. So I think that's, again, it's another hard conversation to have, right? Is it's like, well, how do you feel about our security team? How do you feel about the system owners and the application owners that we're working with? You know, is it challenging to work with them? How are they working with you? Are they providing reports? Are they providing help and mitigating controls potentially if you can't fix the vulnerabilities. So I think sometimes that conversation is bigger than just have vulnerability, apply patch. It's it's also about, you know, who's my security team? Do I work well with them? Do I know who they are? And me as a security person, do I understand the challenges around functionality and potentially affecting the users? Because you know, we've talked about this, I think, with probably like 20 guests at this point. But if security doesn't enable the business, if vulnerability management, if your vulnerability management program doesn't enable the business, it's never going to succeed. And people are never going to see it as like, oh, man, I love vulnerability management. I'm having a great time. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I think if we can come at it with a different attitude, with a, listen, I know we're not going to get all the vulnerabilities. How can I help you mitigate some or provide a mitigating control, right? So it's not just apply this apply this patch, fix this thing. How can I help you get to a more secure environment? And we've talked about like zero trust architecture, right? Zero trust architecture, those principles can help you achieve a better vulnerability management program. So I think it's it's just the conversation has to be bigger than apply patch, apply security control, the end, you know? Yeah, absolutely spot on. I mean, we've heard over and over, and, and many people are echoing this, that security needs to speak the language of the business. And it comes back to what you were saying in terms of communication between the two groups and having empathy for what each group is trying to achieve, rather than necessarily thinking that they're out to kind of just prevent you from doing what you need to do and get in the way of what you need to accomplish. Uh, so I think just having an understanding between the two groups can go a long way, most definitely. I was actually, like I said, reading that NIST guidance, and they're also talking about some of the technologies you can use to minimize business disruption. If you look at containerization, for example, uh, immune infrastructure where you can upgrade something like in a repository and then push it out and do some traffic shifting or scaling, et cetera, to minimize the disruption to the business. So those are key things that people can look to too. 
That way you can, you know, have your updates, your patches, you know, et cetera, without mess- messing up the business in some cases. That's definitely some promising things for people to keep in mind. Going back to the conversation of why we always look at vulnerabilities and isolations, in isolation, I should say, you know, how do we get uh, the organization, organization both on the security side and, uh, of course, on the business side to some extent uh, to shift that mindset and look at these in, in coordination, right? How they can be exploited in coordination and, and, and combining them, essentially. You know, how do we shift that and help uh, leaders on the security side in particular understand the implications of lows and moderates, for example? Yeah, so this this is something that sort of led me to the PhD in human factors research, right? Was the, how do we, one, does this phenomenon exist, right? Like I was trying to prove that, yes, we look at vulnerabilities as singular items and not in combination as far as identification and remediation. And what I found was that a lot of people in the, you know, I conducted a focus group and ultimately what I found was we're not even talking about vulnerability chaining as a thing. So we're not even talking about it in the same language, using the same terminology. And this is where like I get, I put on like my researcher hat and I'm like, oh man, if we don't understand terminology, if we don't understand how we're communicating with each other and using the same language, it's going to be completely impossible for us to understand that this phenomenon exists. So I think the biggest thing is awareness, right? Like that's the first thing we have to do is just understand that vulnerability chaining is a phenomenon and it's used by attackers all the time. So I think if we get away from, you know, looking at a low and a medium as a green and a yellow and start looking them as green plus yellow plus green can equal red or black or whatever, you know, whatever. Um, I think if we can get away from looking at them as, you know, just a low or just a medium, but start thinking about your environment in context. So looking at it holistically, like we talk about this, right? Like look at your security program holistically, look at your vulnerabilities holistically. If you have a, for example, right? Like you, you've got a network device and you've got some lows and mediums on there and you're not as concerned with those. Cause it's like, ah, eh, it's fine. I've got all my criticals fixed. Don't think that way. Don't think like, well, I just have these extraneous vulnerabilities that are scored as low and medium. Vulnerability scoring can be very subjective. So you have to think about, okay, there, there's a person behind how that vulnerability was scored. Yes, they're using a calculation. And yes, we're using the best tools that are available to us. However, very little information is published with vulnerabilities. So you have to think about like, okay, well, what do I not know about this vulnerability? What is the unknown unknown here? So I think getting away from you know, looking at it as a green or a yellow to understanding that these vulnerabilities, regardless of score, regardless of where they sit in the environment can be leveraged if they can, you know, if anyone can get to the system or get to it, if they can scan for it, they're going to find it and they're going to use it. So I think just getting away from, we have reporting requirements, we have this, we have that to what does security mean to me in my environment? Yeah, I love that answer. And then going back, you know, just to that NIST guidance, because it's so relevant to the conversation here. They talk about that having actionable enterprise level patching and vulnerability metrics, right? You know, it's one thing to have a certain finding, but what system is it on? How critical is that system to the environment? What other systems is that connected to? What kind of data does it hold, et cetera? Uh, those are all key things to consider. Another question I wanted to ask you is like, how do organizations go about getting context to understand what vulnerabilities can be chained together? You know, I think you mentioned like the NVD, for example, had put out some CVEs and they were kind of 
combined. That's a great start. I don't know if I've seen any tooling that does something like that. And it all—it almost reminds me of a zero day in the sense that, like, you know, maybe you have a vulnerability. It's not a zero day. It's known, uh, but it may be a zero day in the context that you didn't know you can combine CVE XYZ to become, you know, this kind of exploit. Uh, so how do we go about getting that insight to even make sense of what can be chained together? Yeah, no, I, I love this question. Yes. So this is absolutely the biggest challenge I think right now is that partly that we're not really talking about it. We don't necessarily have the tools that are going to show us right now what the vulnerability chains are. This is why it's so important to have a purple team. This is why it's so important that red teamers and blue teamers talk to each other because anyone on a red team, pen testers, ethical hackers, they understand how to leverage these types of vulnerabilities. So, and I think this is sort of part of the conversation too, right? Is that not everyone needs to understand this at such depth, right? Like I'm not expecting everyone to go out and like understand vulnerability chaining in depth, but what you can do is leverage the red teamers that you have at your disposal to help you understand what those chains might mean. It can also help. So for example, if you just, you know, whoever your security analyst is or anyone that's actually actively looking at vulnerabilities Go through and look at the lows and mediums. What's in the environment? So if you find that you've got, let's say, for example, because like I'm sure nobody has this, but let's say, for example, you have 15 SSL vulnerabilities that are low and medium on one system. I'm going to go ahead and assume that if I have 15 vulnerabilities associated with SSL certificates, there's probably some way that they could be used together to potentially spoof that certificate or do, you know, do something with that certificate. So What I'm going to start to do is, where are all of my vulnerabilities? Do I have a ton of low and mediums for that are actually related to one specific thing? Because that to me is low hanging fruit, right? Like even if I have 15 vulnerabilities that are on one system, multiply that by 100 systems. But if I fix the SSL certificate, if I fix the chain or I redo it with SHA-3, whatever it is, if I can actually get a new certificate on there, you might actually remediate a Uh, just a ton of vulnerabilities all at once that could have potentially been chained or leveraged together with other vulnerabilities. So I think context is really important as far as like getting that context is just actually look at your environment. Take a look at the low and mediums on one system. Start with one system and see what's going on there because you can start there and sort of get an idea of what your whole environment's going to look like. Yeah, I, I love a lot of what you said there. It actually reminds me of different aspects of security too. We've always always thought about, you know, keeping sensitive data confidential, for example. But, you know, we know in security, you can take a lot of publicly accessible data and piece it together to, you know, put together some pretty insightful and actionable malicious, you know, information, for example, or, or you know, do something malicious with it. And it kind yeah. of reminds me of that. Yeah. I, well, I was going to say, so part of the part of the reason why I was like looking into this vulnerability chaining and coming up with this new terminology, vulnerability chaining blindness, was this concept of linkage blindness. And it's the idea that this was the, the term was coined in the mid-1980s. The idea of this was that law enforcement were having a difficult time tying crimes to one individual. The reason they couldn't tie all of these different crimes to one person is because they didn't have the right information to understand what was going on. So maybe they didn't work with other jurisdictions. Maybe they didn't have a a database that had all this information. Maybe they were looking at one crime for one criminal, and maybe that criminal was doing lots of different things, you know, arson and robbery and all these things. So 
this sort of inability to pull these pieces together or to have the tools available to pull these pieces together made it very difficult for them to sort of get that big picture. So I think that's sort of the same thing, right? Is it's like this inability to sort of pull all the pieces together that we have, that we have available to us, and maybe not even having that information available, like on vulnerability chaining. So I, I think that's part of the conversation too, right? Is it's like, what are we missing? What do we need to pull together? You know, not just looking at one tool and saying like, well, I've got the, I've got the full picture. Yeah, maybe you need to look around a little bit and see what you might be missing. Um, and knowing that there isn't necessarily going to be one solution right now, but there's a lot of different things that can be pulled together. Yeah, I think the one one solution aspect is what jumps out at me because it's almost like a, a malicious actor could have unlimited levels of creativity. We have, you know, it's, it's hard to extrapolate how they could potentially piece together uh, the infinite amount of vulnerabilities out there, and they're all unique based to different environments, technology stacks, and all those kind of things that can be, you know, play into that of how things can be play, pieced together and combined to, you know, do malicious activities. Uh, so this is all fascinating stuff, and I definitely think it's something we'll see get more and more attention moving forward. With that said, my last question to you is, you know, for folks interested in vulnerability chaining and some of these other topics, you know, any recommendations of where they can go to find out some more information? Yes. So I highly recommend if you are interested in vulnerability chaining, to start to understand vulnerability scoring and what vulnerability scoring means. I highly recommend going to the CVSS website, going to the FIRST website. They have Their user guide is fantastic. They have a lot of good information that you can, you can go to. I would also highly recommend that NIST patch management guide. They have a, a ton of good information. I mean, NIST in general has great information on vulnerability management. But I would also say if you start to look around... One of the things we don't necessarily have are there are some security researchers out there that have blogs that have information on specific types of vulnerability chains that can occur. So really just Googling vulnerability chaining. I did mention then some of them in my first dissertation. So if you listen, if you've got three or four hours to kill and you really <laughs> want to read it, you're welcome to. But there's also some good references in, in the back of the dissertation if you're interested in finding some of those security blogs. But yeah, but I would say that this, the biggest thing is just sort of having an awareness, checking out the first website, looking at CVSS scoring and, and getting a better idea of what, what those vulnerabilities might mean to you. Yeah, it's awesome advice. And I think, like you said, you know, not everyone needs to necessarily be an expert in this, but we do need to be aware that this can occur and just understanding that when we look at our vulnerability management program for an enterprise. So that's all uh, great information. So with that said, uh, that takes us out of our first episode. We have a great guest lined up for you next week and look forward to seeing you all then. Thanks, everybody.